We're reading at verse 1 down to verse 12 of Second Peter chapter 3, and I want you to hold your Bible open, and I hope you have your Bible with you. I'd rather see you with the Bible than some of these other mechanical means. Uh, when you open the Bible, it's all the Word of God from one end to another. You touch some of these screens, dear knows what will pop up in front of you. You need to keep to the old scriptures and to the book. Get a Bible if you haven't got one and start reading it and start looking into it. Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I store up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first. It's the first thing he wants them to know. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So that word is mockers. And I want to make an announcement just now here on this verse. That's not the world and it's not the ungodly that are mocking and scoffing at the Lord's coming for they don't know anything about it. But sadly it's God's people. And we'll be dealing with that next week. And I would issue a warning to those of you who mock the rapture and the truth of God's word you be very careful. He's making it plain and clear here. First of all, he says that this is the first thing you need to know, that scoffers will arise, and they're rising within the church. And we'll be leaning with some of that next week. And saying in verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly are ignorant. You see, they're contradicting themselves to say the whole thing went on from creation. But uh, Peter puts them right here. Uh, the flood came after creation, uh, uh, creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God. The heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. There's been a lot of promises and a lot of changes from, I, from creation, let me tell you. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now watch these verses very carefully. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sinner, hear you that tonight. But the day of the Lord will come, will come, as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, 
and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. And notice that word. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord were in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent teeth. And he's reinforcing that in power by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is reinforcing that and saying a number of things twice so that we might get it into our minds in these days. And we know that God will bless to us the reading of his word. This scripture and other scriptures tell me that this world, the cosmos as we know it, the innumerable mighty planets, the universe, the heavens, the earth, the seas, is one day going to disintegrate and going to be dissolved with liquefying fire. Now that's what the Word of God tells us. And if you believe that this is the Word of God, then you've got to believe this word as well as any other word, as well as God so loved the world. You've got to believe this word, this word as well. Look at verse 7. Peter says the fire is already stirred up. It's already, for the, verse 7 says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto and against the day of judgment. It's reserved and stored in the earth. That's all you can read from that text. And that only can mean, my friends, that only can mean that upon this earth, upon this planet, now, there's enough fire stored up, reserved by God to barbecue and liquidate all the planets and there's countless trillions of them. All the planets, all the seas, all the heavens and all that is in them. When he was destroying the world the first time, the flood came up and came down. But it seems from this text here that the fire is already stored, preserved, Upon the earth, preserved, the world is preserved for the fire, and the fire is preserved for the world. And they're going to be dissolved. We read that twice. That's put a paracetamol into a glass of water, and you'll watch it dissolving. That's what that means. Everything's going to, going to one day dissolve. And verse 10 says, will come. The day of the Lord will come. Now, there's no doubt about that. This day will come. Just as soon, just as the promise of God came, they said he'd come the first time, and he's coming the second time, and that the Holy Spirit came. This is coming. This is coming. And you make no mistake about that's what the Word teaches. And it's coming with a great noise. Do you see that? A great noise. Now, as 
translated a hissing or a whizzing noise or a roaring noise. The near they could get to it in these days was an arrow being released in full flight and it had a whiz through the air. Can I tell you tonight that there are at least 20 nations have massive destruction weapons. And that's not talking about the rogue nations. That's not talking about Iran or North Korea. There are 20 nations on earth and maybe more that have stored up fire in atomic power that could barbecue the world tonight. A fellow in North Korea said, they said that he had his finger on the button. Let me tell you this, he may have his finger on a button that could blast dear knows where and dear knows what. Or any one of these nations can wipe the earth out and barbecue them just in a second. This boy may have his finger on the button, but let me tell you this, he can't do that unless the Lord allows him. He can't do that unless God allows him to do it. God is in control and he's sovereign of all those things. We're only saying tonight what this fisherman Peter in the power of the Holy Ghost is, is, is saying to us. That this fire is stirred up and it has to be stirred up and it must be stirred up in power and fire and atomic energy power that we have in the world stirred up today. God doesn't need that to destroy the world. He can send fire down. He can send fire up. But he can use this as well. Now I want you to look at verse 10. Again it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. That is where just perish. You got that into your mind that the heavens and the earth are going to perish. That old car that you have that you think more of than you think of God's going to perish. That bit of land that you fought and get a right away for it's going to perish. It's going to perish. Listen to what Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the orbits, who keeps all things and sustains all things and holds all things by the word of his power, who created everything here that remains. Listen to, the, listen to what he says. In Luke 21 and verse 33, Heaven and earth shall pass away. He would know better than you, wouldn't he? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The word of the Lord endures forever. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Peter says. And on and on we could go through the scriptures. Listen to what John the Apostle says in Revelation 21, twice. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea, for the former things were passed away twice. But not only the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only John, and not only Peter, Isaiah in the 34th chapter says this, All the host of heaven shall be dissolved and rolled up like a scroll. And Paul, if you give him the, re- the author of the book of Hebrews, says, The foundations of the earth and the heavens and all the works of man's hand shall perish, but thou remainest. The written word will always remain. 
and the living word will always remain. The written word of God remained through the wilderness and remains in, in the ark right through the wilderness journey. This infallible, instructable word of God and the living word Christ shall never pass away. He is forever. Now before we go on with this tonight, and we're going to take our time at these verses. Before we go on tonight, let me ask a practical, sensible timely question. Do you believe tonight that Jesus Christ who created all these things, do you believe what he said? Do you believe what the Holy Spirit has penned tonight or do you not? Do you believe what Isaiah says and Paul says and Peter and John, as I've already said, who were Galilean fishermen, unlearned and ignorant men. Do you believe what they say tonight, or do you believe Patrick Moore or David Attenborough? Or do you believe Dawkins or Hawkins or Fred, Fred Hoyle, who instigated the Big Bang? Do do, do you believe them or do you believe God or do you believe this word? Well, let that sink into your mind now. Because as this world, as this cosmos heads towards judgment and destruction, the devil's busy flat out turning away the truth to sciences. Now hear me. There are panicking for answers to this whole thing that's going on in global warming and everything else. And they're panicking for answers because they're blind to the word of God. And many of them are atheists. And global warming seems to be a guinea pig for them. They think that they're going to preserve all this and they're going to save all this. All will be well to save you don't burn a few tires. All will be well if we don't ban ban the plastic bags and the paper bags and plant a few trees and eat cabbage and put a windmill up in your back garden. Don't blow your nose too hard. They're going to save the planet by all this. Don't strike a match. They'll have to get you a special match. They'll have to get you a special car. Patrick Moore the author of Sky at Night, had his eyes eyes googled out of him looking into the planets. He lived to 90 years of age and Peter the fisherman from Galilee knew far more than him. And far more than Attenborough. And far more than any of them. But they'll not read the word of God. When Patrick Moore lived in Armagh and the Mall and he set up the planetarium in 1960, he slept three hours a night he was seen at all hours of the morning, 12, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, walking over to the planetarium to Google up into the stars to see another planet or to see another stars. I think it was him that said they'll be there forever. They're there forever and they'll be forever. But he has passed away and the planets will pass away too. David Attenborough, the agnostic, naturalist and humanist, says we must save the planet to save ourselves. We'd be more interested in trying to get himself saved. 
He had millions in tears there lately. If you Google up on the YouTube, he had millions in tears lately as he was down kneeling on the ground, rubbing a, a, a wee baby rhinoceros that was blind. Nicky, the rhinoceros. He says, oh, poor Nicky, what are we going to do with Nicky? We'll have to get somebody to get cataracts. I'm not sure he could afford it. We'll have to get cataracts for, cataracts for his blind eyes, the poor soul. He's more and more concerned about the wee rhinoceros than he is about his soul. And let me tell you, Patrick, Patrick Moore was more concerned about rats than he was about his soul. For when he was in living beside the Orange Hall in one of them Georgian houses, he found a rat one night. And rather than kill the thing, he gathered it up in an old trap or an old bag. And do you know where he brought it? He brought it out to Cady Road. <laughs> so if you have any rats howling about your house, then Patrick Moore, you may blame him. Maybe they came one this way for the village to see a rat out here, there, not so long ago. Maybe it came from him, I don't know. Oh, how blind and how stupid men are if the light of the glorious gospel doesn't shine into their hearts and into their souls. Now, as we go to expound this, this here, I'm just setting the scene for you tonight to get you thinking And letting you understand, if you haven't heard teaching like this, you're going to hear it in the next weeks. This whole thing's coming to an end, and it's coming to an end very soon. I'll bring you down every step of the way to this moment, some of these nights. We're starting at the rapture, which is the next thing to happen. And we'll go right down to this very moment. And this is coming just the same as anything else is coming. And you believe it. And get into the Word of God. Now, I want, to, I want to, you to look at verse 1 of chapter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. You see, some people say that he didn't write this second epistle. But sure, he said himself he wrote it. He says this second epistle, beloved, I now. And the reason they say that they, they don't think that he wrote it, of course, they're denying the very word of God. Is because his language is all different in the other chapter. Of course it was. It was the wrath of God in the other chapters against ungodly men and, and, and deceitful preachers. And we read and we came through a few nights on it. But all he says, he's a different man here because he's calling him, he called him here in verse 1, beloved or my dearly beloved friend. And he does in, in chapter, verse 1 and he does in verse 8. Look at verse 8. But my beloved, dearly friend, verse 14, wherefore, beloved, verse 15, beloved, verse 17, beloved. So with a compassionate heart and a burdened soul, in his last, last words, for he said, after I write these, these epistles, I'm going to put off this old tabernacle and I'm going to die. This is the last records of Peter's preaching. And he's full of compassion and he's full of love. And he's saying, dear friends. That's what it means. Dear friends, beloved. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. That's just simply what he's doing. And here's the first thing he says. Watch it again, verse 1. Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now what he's saying to them here, these Christians, these persecuted Christians that he's writing to, unto us, 
I want you to stir your memory up to things that you already know. He's not talking about something new. But he wants something new today. This doesn't work. We have to try that. We have to try the other. Well, we don't need anything to get you people in here tonight, only the Word of God. For you know that's all you're going to get. But they want to do something new. Peter says, I don't, we're not dealing with something new. I want you to stir up your mind in memory to things that you already know. You see, he already taught them, this fledgling church, he had really taught them the things of the second coming. And sadly, there's some of you here tonight and you've got very little teaching on it. And you can't stir up the soup if there's no soup in the pot. You need to get soup into the pot before you can stir it. So he says, I want to stir, I want to stir, stir your memory, your mind, your memory. In these last days, as this is approaching us, I want you to begin to go back in your mind and remember the things that I taught you about these things that we're talking about now. Stir up your pure minds. I want you to recall and to remember the words. And then he says the words of who? In verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles, and of the Lord our Savior. Get your mind into action of what the old prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament and the Lord Jesus said. Boy, I tell you, we started going into the Old Testament and into the New Testament and we're talking about the Lord's coming. If we started to go in and started to recall in our memory, but then it's not in our memory because a lot of us are not reading the Word of God. If ever we needed to be saturated in the Word of God, it's in this day. That's what Peter's saying here. Stir up your memory now and what the prophets preached, what Daniel preached, what Zechariah preached, what Haggai preached, what, what these old prophets of God preached about this day and the days leading up to it. And if I were to ask you tonight to quote me some of the things that Daniel and many of these other men said regarding the, the second coming, Malachi and Haggai and Zechariah, I wonder how many of you would know them, even Peter and James and John, all preaching about it. Do you know much that they said about it? Don't be taking a verse or two out of the Old Testament, a verse or two out of the New Testament. He's saying here, the whole counsel of God. Get into your mind and, and remember what the holy prophets and the apostles and the Lord all said about these things. Maybe some of you during the week will get your Bible up and get a concordance and go into Daniel and go into those old prophetic scriptures way back to Moses and go back into those old prophets and begin to see what they're saying about this day. And Paul and Peter and James and John. Oh, what a, a minefield, minefield there is. Get the word and I'm speaking to you young people especially. I'm near at the end now. Get the word into your mind and into your heart and into your soul. 
And I'll tell you one reason and many reasons why you should. Uh, I could tell you many reasons. Well, I'll tell you one reason because we're dealing in this context of the second coming and the Lord's return. Get it into your mind for they'll take the Bibles off you before long. The Gestapo will come to your homes and they'll come to the churches and they'll take the Bibles and they'll take the hymnbooks just the same as they took the telephone and the passport of that star, that soccer, cricket boy or whatever he is, into Australia. Put him into quarantine and took his phone and took his passport and kept him there. Don't you tell me that it's not coming. And it's time that we wakened up. It's time you're going to see that you need to be stirred up it's coming. If I just spoke like this two years ago, I'd have been laughed out of this house. But people are not laughing now. They're realizing that this is very, very serious. Because if the downgrading accelerates and speeds up in the next two years as it did in the last two, I can tell you there'll be Christians in prison. Once they get the thin end of the edge in with this conversion therapy that they're trying to get through about the sodomites, that's the start. Once they get through and you can't try to tell a sodomite in their abominational sins, you can't tell them, you're not allowed to tell them that they need to be saved and they need to be clean and they need to be forgiven. You're not allowed to, the next thing will be, you'll not be allowed to tell a man he's a sinner. You'll not be allowed to tell a man or woman if you're not saved, you're going to hell. But the Word of God teaches, and so you are. You're not allowed to say that. That'd be the next thing. And what'll come after that? You, know, you need to tell the sodomites that they're born like that. Oh, you have to tell them they're born like that. But don't you tell them that they have to be born again. And listen, if you're tinkering at that thing, come away from it and flee from it as fast as you can. Wherever you are, listen to me tonight. Oh, they'll put you in jail. Well, let them. Once the thing, the end of the wage gets in, my friend, and it's coming in and it is in, and it has got in in the last two years through sciences. And we listen to men, and we listen to Boys that are supposed to know everything and they know nothing and don't know where they are tonight. And the devil got the thin end of the wedges in and he got the churches closed. And he's heading for it again for those who are fool enough to give in. This is a prophetical word tonight. I'm telling you we're in dangerous days. We're an awful ungodly, dangerous days. We have never passed this way before. And if you want to go on the way you're going on, and you want to play church the way you're going on, and you want to go on to hell, go on. We're in terrible times. And I don't have to tell you that. And every week you're going to hear something now. And every month it's going to get worse. And two years from now, if the Lord hasn't returned, there'll be a drastic change. We'll have to fight 
to worship. We'll have to fight to pray. We'll have to fight to keep on and hold to this old book. The devil has more ways of one than silencing the church to meet. And God help those who are capitulating. People that you'd expect more of. Now I want to concentrate and ask as far as we're going tonight. We're not going out of this verse 2, 1 and 2. Because I, I'm going to take my time at this now. You see that word stir? See the last words of the apostle is to the people of God, stir, S-T-I-R, stir yourself, man. Now, if this, this is the last, one of the last words of the apostle, you must think it's important to do that. Now, this word stir means to disturb, arouse, awaken, awaken out of a sleep, out of a stupor. A lot of God's people in a stupor, they're going about walking, sleepwalking. And they'd give in to anything. Anything. Anything that would get them on holidays. Oh, no, we don't get this, this passport. We're not getting holidays. Ah, oh, pity. We'll not get into a hotel. Oh, my. Walking about, sleepwalking, man. Listen to what Paul says. You needn't turn to these scriptures because sometimes turn into scriptures distract. You just listen. I'll quote the word. You can get it and read it when you're home. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. It is high time now to awake out of sleep. For the Savior is near, his return is near than when we believed. Of course, that's right. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. You need a stirring now. This is Samson. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him to move him and to stir him at times. It's time to be stirred. And I'll show you what we mind. It's the pure mind that needs to be stirred. I'll be showing you that in a minute. The word stir, stirreth, or stirring is 65 times in the Bible. I want to take out three of them just now as we come down to a close. That applies to every one of us. I'm concentrating on this word because I couldn't get away from it. Don't turn to this scripture again. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6. Paul, speaking to the young pastor Timothy. What's he, ta- what's he telling Timothy to do to remember? What does he tell him to remember? Remember the unfeigned and unmatched faith of your mother and your grandmother. And then he says this, that I'm persuaded, Paul says, that is in you. You're a man of faith, Timothy. And it's in thee. And then he says this, that thou, not someone else, not a preacher, we can try to do it. Not listen to some tape or sermon or YouTube. That thou, 
Stir up thyself. Awaken and arouse thyself. For the gift that is within thee. Stir up the gift. You have to do that yourself. Stir up the gift that is in you. You have a gift. Every one of you Christians here tonight have a gift of one kind or another. It might be the gift of hospitality. So put your name down in that book. That's a gift. Every believer here, when they were saved, at least got one gift, some two gifts, some three gifts. I knew men with three and four mighty gifts. Some with maybe one. But you're a Christian and you're born again tonight. You have a gift and you want to get any more than that. You get this series that I done in there a few years ago unwrapping our spiritual gifts. We have never opened them. We opened our Christmas gift. Well, you don't unwrap your spiritual gifts. You don't want it. He says, stir up, Timothy. Stir up yourself. Go and stir up that ministry gift. You know, I believe that I'm speaking to some tonight and you're not exercising your God-given gift. Because after that, he says to Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Now hear me. Keep it in this context. Timothy, it says, was weeping. It was with tears. He says, I've seen your tears. So I wonder, was he weeping over not using his gift? Would, he, would some of you be weeping over a wasted life? Save soul, wasted life. I told it before from that part from when Alan Redpath, God was dealing with him at a convention in London. And he was a surveyor, a very wealthy man in his own business. And he was preaching just up and down the country and God cut a hold of him at a conference one night and he says, you have a saved soul but you have, you have a wasted life. Oh, God help us. And he got onto the train to go home up to the north of England and in the old trains he, he went over the joints in the railway and every time it, done, it, it went over the joints. Saved soul. Lost in life, lost life. Save soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. Save soul. Until God burned that into his soul and heart. Until he had to surrender all. One of the greatest Bible teachers had ever lived. I've got more out of Alan Redpack's books than any other book that I've read in my lifetime. Because one day he gave his life unto the Lord. Don't be afraid, Timothy. Dry up your tears, man. It's fear that's gripping you. God hasn't given you that spirit of fear. Is it fear that keeps you back from the ministry of prayer? Is it fear that keeps your mouth closed in the prayer meeting? Fear of man. You need to get rid of that. Is it fear that keeps you up from, the, from, from, from praising the Lord and thanking the Lord loudly and vocally in the meeting or putting your hand up to say, Lord, praise your name? Is that fear? Is 
fear of man bringeth a snare. Maybe you fear preaching. What is your gift that the Lord wants you to not be afraid of and to let loose for him in these last days? The gift of exhorting, the gift of encouraging, the gift of entertaining, the gift of a Sunday school teacher, of a deacon, of an elder. We need to rekindle the fire. Man, there was a time that you were on fire. You need the wooden spoon again. You need the wooden spoon to stir. There's two things you can do with a wooden spoon. And I have done both with them. <laughs> you can stir and you can scalp. Some of you need a scalp. I'm mindful of your tears, Timothy. You have no need to be afraid. God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You need to stir up that gift. You're needed badly. And he did. Glory to God, he did. Will you? But it's not only a stirring for ministry. Here's a, the second one. There's a stirring to move. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 11, you pick it up sometime and read it. As the eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young and spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them and beareth them on wings, so he led them through the wilderness alone. He led them alone and he lead you all the way, every step of the way. The old eagle rattled and vibrated the sticks and the fog and all that was in the, uh, in the nest. He rattled and vibrated at them till he got them wee chicks out and got them under her back and got them out and dropped down and let them go. You need to be stirred up to move. I want to be very blunt now. It's time you moved out of that old apostate church that you're in. And boys damning souls and giving big money. Time that you moved out from them. Old Elijah, when he was in the cave in Mount Hard, God came to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? What's a man of God like you doing stuck in that old dark, damp, dismal cave? Come on out into the open. What, do you, what are you doing there? Come on out into the open. Come out into the place that you'll get fed and you'll get blessed and you'll get the joy of the Lord about you. Come out for this truth. It's time you come out of old bands and lodges too. Time to move out. Oh, you don't like this well. Stop marching and drumming and marching alongside ungodly men who care nothing for the gospel. What shall a fellowship has darkness with light? Oh, we're trying to win them. You haven't won one of them and you never will. Be ye clean and be ye separate. 
and come out into the work of God and into the challenge of the day that's lying ahead when we're about to be taken up. That's what Peter tells us in the end of this chapter, the way that we need to live and we'll be dealing with it. Come on out from the churches that have lied and deceived, been deceived over COVID. Now they're saying we're not going to shut down this. What did they shut down the first time for? Oh, someone says, that's your hobby horse. Let it be my hobby horse and not as truth. It's truth. I'm not here to please any man or woman. I'm here to preach the word of God. Come on out from those boys that are going along with the spirit of Antichrist. For the spirit of Antichrist is ripe and never was as ripe as it is today. Heading in for the mark of the beast once the church goes. Don't give any truck to that sort of thing. Don't have anything to do with those who try to control us and tell us this and that. And if they come for the Bibles, there'll be a fight. And maybe like those old martyrs and covenanters will be burnt at the stake. Maybe that's what it's coming to. We'll see who's who there. We'll see who's who when, they're par- when you're parking on the back shoulder up there and you're coming down over the bank. It's time that we nailed our colors to the mass. It's time that we sung from our heart, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou alone my all shall be. Or better still, Galatians 2 and 20, listen to it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, my friend, it's all right saying and singing it. It's all right saying I'm crucified with Christ. And I'll let someone spit in your face a half a dozen times and let it run down your jaw and you'll know whether you're crucified with him or not. And he opened not his mouth. I'm crucified with Christ. Well, let them whip every clothes off you, every vestment and garment off you and stand naked in front of them. And he opened not his mouth. I'm crucified with Christ. Let men scourge your back until the very bowels is gushing out of men beside him and almost took his life. Let them hammer the crown of thorns down on your head and say, I'll follow Jesus wherever he goes. There'll be some cry. Stretch out your hand and let them put a six-inch nail, a six-inch spike, not a nail, a spike into it. And one crack of it you'll roar, and so will I roar, and we'll all roar. But I'm talking about, I'm crucified with Christ. Put out the other hand, put out your feet. And the vultures fly over for your blood. The vultures fly and the blood flows. And death comes. Then the resurrection will come. 
Boy, I tell you, we sing these hymns. Jesus, I my cross. Oh. All right, singing it, my friend. But not only stirring to minister, a stirring to move, but ending up here with the stirring of our minds. See that verse one? The second epistle, my dear beloved friends, I now write unto you in both with, I stir up your, what's that? Pure minds, holy minds, clean minds. If ever we lived in a day, the devil is storing up evil minds, unclean minds, unholy minds. It's this day in which we live. Boy, he's stirring up wickedness and evil in the minds of man. You can't have a pure mind and a holy mind. I say you can't have a pure mind or a holy mind if you're watching soaps or pornography. Now, I heard Stephen, I sat at the back this morning. And I said, boy, you need to stop preaching that sooner. You'll have my whole message away tonight. But I know that God, he didn't know what I was preaching on the night. And I didn't know what he was preaching. But I had this message prepared before this morning. And I think that God is speaking to some tonight here, somewhere else across the globe. And he's talking to you about holiness and purity of life. And you have got to take it from the Lord. You've got to take it from the Lord. You can't have clean minds if you're tinkering at that stuff on your phone or TV or anything else. You can't have clean hands if you're fiddling the tax man or if you're taking cash and not registering. You can't have clean hands. He that has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up a soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully, he, he shall receive. And Duncan Campbell said in that, he shall receive the blessing and the power of the Lord coming upon his life. God's very important about purity and holiness. You can't have clean minds and you can't have clean hands and you can't have a clean heart. If you're deceiving your employer or deceiving your wife. For the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Now you can cover it up and you can make excuses and you can do all or great at that sort of thing. But as you heard this morning, we're standing or sitting in the presence of a holy God. A holy God. Was it Moody whose mother wrote on his book, this book keeps me from sin, sin keeps me from the book? Why is he telling these people, these young Christians, get into the Old Testament, get into the apostles, what they said, what I said, and what I have commanded, that's what it says here, get into all that. I say to you young men and women, 
and everybody tonight. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way but by taking heed to the word? Make time for God and his word. Now 10 minutes of a daily reading is no good. It's no good now. You need to make time in these last days and shut the closet door and get phones and all out of your road and get down before God and take as long as you can. He should have your first place. And the word will keep you clean. It'll keep you clean. Now we're going on next week to verses 3 and 4. Look at them before we close. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers or mockers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Throwing doubt in the word of God in the last days. Mocking, doubting the word of the eternal God. Why is it, as I close tonight, is the doctrine of eschatology the second coming of the Lord and all the hundreds of times that it's mentioned, why is it that it's hardly ever preached now? I can tell you that there's two doctrines that the devil has hijacked amongst the fundamental church. And I'm talking about the evangelical Christian church. And one's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You get saved and that's all that you need and you just go on trailing like your father and your mother and no power. No surrender, no joy. No teaching and be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. And the second coming. And you know why that second coming is not preached? Man has destroyed it with so many different viewpoints and doctrines that young people especially don't know what to believe. Well, he says he's coming before the tribulation. Another says he's coming after him. Somebody else says he's coming halfway through it. So what do you believe? Well, the word of God is not to be mocked and it's not to be laughed at and it's not to be tinkered about with. The word of God is truth. And if we can get into this old book and get this truth out, it'll re re revolutionize your life. Let me tell you, in my early days of preaching, I saw more souls saved out of the sec preaching the second coming than anything else. There's more people born again through Mullen and, and, and Workman and them boys by preaching that Jesus is coming and get ready, he's coming and he's coming and he's going to burst the clouds some of these days and it's going to be like just like that, uh, like the twinkling of an eye and the saved will be gone and the rest will be done and he preached and the preached and closed mission after mission with that till people realize I need to get ready. And I can tell you, if you've done a survey in Northern Ireland, the number of people that were saved through that preaching, even children who went into the rooms to see was your father there, was their mother there, are they gone? Where are they gone? They're down the field but they thought they were gone.
And you'll come tinkering up to the house someday, sir. And she'll be gone. You'll be gone. Your mother will be gone. And God help you is all I can say. And that woman wheel pushing that wee baby across and across the road in the in the wee pram, just in the wee buggy pushing it along and just just in the twinkling of an eye. Not the wink of an eye, in the twinkling of boy she'll put down to put the clothes over, she'll be gone. There'll be some cry that day. That husband that prayed for you dear for years and years. Wept over you at the prayer meetings. You'll turn around some night and put your leg out on the bed and she'll, be, she'll not be there. You'll be gone. And before you go out of this car park, we all could be gone. And you'd be left. But you can imagine the roar that there'll be. The greatest evacuation that ever was known will happen at the rapture. Talk about the cry in Egypt from the firstborn. Mothers crying, children crying, fathers crying. Do you see it tonight? Do you believe what I'm after preaching to you through? And if you don't, you just come and bring your argument. Do you believe that Peter, an ignorant and unlearned fisherman from Galilee, moved by the Holy Spirit, is planning truth, is backed by the Lord and Isaiah and all the rest of them? You believe it or you don't. And if you do believe it, and you do believe he's coming soon, and you do believe there's a judgment, and you do believe the Antichrist is coming, then what more could you do tonight only get saved? Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins, I don't care what they are, are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be as wool. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Don't be, don't be, don't be thinking of your past in that light. Because under the blood, if you come as a sinner, will you come tonight? Now, I'm not going to the door. I'm going back here when we sing this hymn. I'm going back here. And if you want to come down the side or sit in your seat, we'll talk to you tonight. Get in before it's too late. God bless you.